This is the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, and joining me, my good buddy, Adam Emmert. Hey, it's nice to be with you today on this bluebird day in Montana. I haven't seen the sun in like two months. There it is. And uh, yeah, and I'm glad it's out because uh, it's raised my spirits, even though the uh, the silly season has officially begun in the NFL. And uh, now we get to talk about that. It, it's been a tough week to be a Seahawks fan. I mean, Frank Clark. No, I mean, was it, it, was hasn't, either... it hasn't, right? Like, it's it's been a tough week in the sense that it's just like, are you serious? Like, it, are we really listening to this nonsense right now? But I mean, it also hasn't been tough because all of it is legit, full-fledged, without question, BS. No, it's all happening. Frank Clark was was either signed by the Browns or traded to the Steelers. I saw that. Earl Thomas, I mean, he's going to the Packers. Russell Wilson, he had to move to New York to play with the Giants uh, just because of his wife, Sierra. And uh, Antonio Brown, we picked him up in the trade for Frank Clark, and he's probably going to be pissed now not playing backyard football with Russell. Right. Yeah, that all happened this week. All those ha- things happened this last week. Or at least projected to possibly happen in the future, maybe based on the fact that a conversation might have been had with somebody who's sort of connected with the people that they are spreading the rumors about. It's uh, it's incredible journalism out there. Well, this is the off-season cycle that we go through as Seahawks fans. I mean, four years ago, four years ago, there was actually news that actually happened when the Seahawks traded for Jimmy Graham. Uh, right. 2016, I, th- I don't know if that was a, a quiet year or if I just don't really remember or the idea of dismantling the Seahawks hadn't really took off yet. But then two years ago, the entire offseason was the Seahawks. They were going to trade Richard Sherman. Uh, then last All the year, Seth Wickersham crap. Yeah, yeah. Last year, we had the Earl Thomas trade talks. Never happened. He was, you know, for sure going to go to the Cowboys in, in some sort of a trade. Right. And and now it's Russell Wilson. Okay, so is that where we want to start today? Through all the trade rumors and and all that stuff, do we want to start with the Russell thing and just get that out of the way first, just because it is by far the dumbest? (laughs) Let's get it out of the way. Colin Cowherd on Fox Sports 1 gave us five reasons, five reasons why it just, it makes sense that Russell Wilson's going to be traded to the Giants. The rumor I'm going to tell you about, I, I was told this yesterday, this is happening in the entertainment agent world. Everybody will deny it. It's not good to be out now, but Russell Wilson's wife is Sierra. She is a singer and an entertainer. She would prefer to live in New York, and the Giants need a quarterback, and there's nobody in the draft they love. So just remember this. A lot of things add up. Last year of Russell's contract, his wife would prefer New York. Seattle is not an entertainment mecca. Okay, New York needs the Giants need a star quarterback to replace Eli. You can get a lot of pushback on Eli. Remember when Tebow was in Denver? Who did who did uh, Elway get Peyton Manning? Nobody complained about Peyton replacing Tebow. Tebow disappeared into the ether. Also, Russell Wilson, good looking guy, classy guy, incredibly marketable and kind of buried in the Pacific Northwest. And the Giants also have an offensive head coach. Not a 66-year-old defensive head coach. It all adds up. It makes sense. Absolutely. What's the flaw in any of that logic whatsoever? It's really interesting in the day and age where NBA players have more leverage with their contracts and their situations in really going after the team they want to be on and playing with the guys they want to be with. Everybody seems to think that that's equivocable to the NFL now, that 
the players in the NFL have that same sort of power to just decide where they're going to go at any given time. Mm -hmm. And it's not quite the case. The way that Colin lays that whole thing out, number one, is the fact that he doesn't once mention any of the power that the Seahawks have in this. Like the fact that he's under contract, the fact that they can franchise tag him twice, three times, but really twice it makes financial sense, right? Right. And what's the inclination for Seattle to give up Russell Wilson? Why? Oh, What's, what's the motivation? He lays it out right here. Now, Seattle could franchise Russell, but that would mean you're paying him $31 million a year. Would Pete Carroll, in that division, which I'm arguing now is the best division in football, certainly in the argument, you want to pay your quarterback $31 million a year and not be able to sign other important players? $31 million. That's just too much to pay a quarterback and still be able to play, uh, pay other important players. And they have to be able to compete. In this division, how, how can you compete in the best division in football with and pay a quarterback thirty one million dollars? It can't happen. Throw your yeah. hands up. Give up. I wonder how you can compete in that division without a franchise quarterback. That'd be my first question. Yeah, you can't. That's the answer. Look at the Niners last year. Garoppolo goes down and Mullins comes in and does a, a, a nice job as a backup. Great. Cool for him. But. You're not competing like so it's, let's say let's say this is a an actual rumor. OK, because I'm not even sure it's an actual rumor, right? I think it could be a planted rumor, which could make it an actual rumor. Well, we'll get back to that. But let's say the Seahawks are actually somehow entertaining the idea of trading Russell to the Giants, right? Sure. So what, what, what do you get for him? Right. Uh, who knows? Like a couple firsts, uh, whatever. Right. Well, at least the first this year. You know that for sure. Number six. I think there's six overall. I know they're very high. They have a top 10 pick. Okay. So the Colin starts that out with, so the Giants need a quarterback. Eli needs to be gone. And uh, there's not a quarterback in this draft class that they're enamored with. So Seattle trades Russell Wilson to New York, gets back a first, and then you're supposed to draft a quarterback to replace him. But there's not any good ones in this draft. So, yeah. There's no backup plan there. there. And there's no free agent quarterbacks that you're looking at that you feel like you're going to hit a home run with. It's really dumb. Like, it's just, it's so dumb. Like, the idea that the Seahawks would even begin to entertain the idea of getting rid of Russell Wilson. When newsflash, everybody, they don't have to. Right. They don't have to. Yeah. He's under contract this year. They can franchise him next year. $31 million for a quarterback for one year. That's not that bad of a deal. That's not a terrible deal at all. And on top of all of that, the 36 million the following year isn't that bad of a deal either. That gets you through until the new CBA gets negotiated in 2022. Right. It might be in the best interest of Russell Wilson and the Seahawks to play this out with the franchise tag, see what the new CBA brings, uh-huh. whether that is a help or a hindrance to a player's contract, just so you know what rules you're operating on so you don't lock yourself into a contract that doesn't work in the future. Because right. the rules change in 2020. So I, it, there's no reason like the Seahawks have any urgency to have to get this done. And on top of all of that, and on top of all of that, who says Russell Wilson really does want to get out of Seattle? Because what? Colin Cowherd shares uh, an agency with Russell and Sierra, CAA? Uh-huh. Like, I, I imagine the way this started is Colin's at some cocktail party 
for clients or some crap like that. Or he sits down as his agent to like mop up something mundane or something like that. He's like, man, news cycle's so boring right now. And, uh, the agent probably looked at him and was like, oh, I was talking to the entertainment agent in the office next door. And he was just saying that, uh, you know, maybe Ciara might be possibly prefer living in New York. That, that should spur a whole Russell Wilson thing. Have fun with that. That's all you need. That is not all you need. That's the point. Well, that's the, the fact that the bullet points that he comes up with is that, you know, the, the, the top bullet being that Russell's in his final year of his contract. OK, fact. Fact. <laughs> Sierra maybe prefers he New also, York. He he also has dark hair. It's true. That's a fact. Shorter than six feet. Mm-hmm. Fact. Fact. Sierra prefers New York. Eh, that could be a fact. Sure. Here's the other one. Giants need a star quarterback to replace Eli Manning. I mean, needs well, a strong fact. word, but they would really like it. <laughs> no, they do need it. Marketability being wasted in Seattle. Though out of all of them. That was the one that I made me chuckle the most. Like everybody seems to think that it's 1985 <laughs> that back in the day. Sure. It made a lot more sense to be in New York than South Alaska, right? Seattle, right? You, you, you get a lot more publicity being in the big media markets, right? That isn't how the world works anymore. No. Russell Wilson's hosting kids choice awards every other year. He's he, he might be one of the most recognizable faces in all of football. Yeah. I mean, him, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, maybe Drew Brees. I think he's probably more recognizable than Drew Brees. I bet you more people know who Russell oh, Wilson sure. is than yeah. Drew Brees. I'd put Odell in that category, too. Okay, there you go. But yeah, I don't think he's suffering from a marketability uh, deficiency. No. That's not happening, no. especially being married to Ciara, which this is this is part of the peril of marrying a major celebrity, right? You remember some of the stories of Giselle getting pissed off at people in elevators and yelling at people in Patriot land, like after he, he lost a playoff game, Tom can't win this all by himself. And like, and everybody blows up and it's a huge story uh-huh. just because she's Giselle. Right. So Ciara is like, yeah, I kind of like it a little better in New York. Doesn't mean she hates Seattle. And now it's a gigantic story. My favorite part though, is how uh, Colin closed out this discussion and talking about how he he really hates to see you know guys like Russell Wilson and and Aaron Rodgers you know just not uh you know kind of wasting away in in the prime of their career nothing worse than seeing a superstar quarterback that's got a battle line that's running for his life that doesn't have the coach that do- you don't get many Russell Wilsons you don't get many Aaron Rodgers you don't get many Tom Brady's. You don't get many Joe Montana's and Big Ben's. When you get them, I root for them to get support. I'm just telling you, in the entertainment agent world, this is something I heard yesterday. So part of the argument is that he's, he doesn't have the support that he has in Seattle that he would in New York. Have you looked at New York's the New York Giants offensive line? Have you looked at their coaching situation? Hey, Pat Shermer? Really? This is and this is one of his facts that he lays out. They're the five reasons. Reason number five, Giants have an offensive head coach rather than a defensive head coach like Pete Carroll. Great. What has Pat Shermer done in his career? 15 and 34 as a head coach between 2011, 2012 with the Browns last year with the Giants. Man, nothing says winter like losing twice as many games as you win. God, no kidding, right? No, it's hilarious to think that somehow going from a functional organization to what has been proven to be a dysfunctional organization 
in the New York Giants is somehow an upgrade in getting support. Look, if you want to if you want to take a case study of what happens when a star player leaves a well-run organization in the West because quote unquote there's not enough marketability and their wives uh prefer New York City, I give you exhibit Carmelo Anthony. Mm. In in Denver with the Nuggets making the playoffs, had good talent around him. That was a pretty damn good Denver Nuggets squad. Decides that his wife, Lala, or she says, I want to live in New York and mm-hmm. happy wife, happy life, I guess. He decides, I, I want to go to New York, too. So he leaves a well-run, smart organization in Denver well coached. To, go to, yeah. to go to New York Knicks and ask me what happened next. <laughs> he got his numbers. He got, sure. kept getting them checks. Oh, yeah. that That's great. People but knew who he was. What, did he, he make the playoffs like twice in like 10 years? Give me a break. Yeah, horribly run organization. It just doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. Look, if you were in and on top of all that, what's Russell Wilson's stated stated goal as an NFL player? Win championships. He wants to be the greatest. He said that. To be the greatest, what do you have to do? Win. That is the most important. He didn't say he wanted to be the richest. He said he wanted to be the greatest. I think he said he's wanted to be an owner of a team. You need money for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And part of the conversation that revolves around this Russell Wilson trade is the idea that his last contract was a bad deal, right? I, I was listening to Mike Florio and Chris Sims talk about this. Oh, such a terrible deal. He's we regretted it ever since he signed it. He regretted it ever. And he just, he was hor- grossly underpaid. You know what he was paid at the time with the contract that he signed? Yeah. The best contract behind Aaron Rodgers. Right. <laughs> the, right. The top quarter, the, the top paid quarterback in the league behind Aaron Rodgers when he signed his deal. Right. And then they're like, and then all the guys that came after him got more money. Yeah, that happens every year. Every year. Every year you sign a contract, next year somebody's uh, a top-tier player is going to sign one for more than you. Yeah. That's how it works. Right. When Russell Wilson signs his next contract, unless he gives some kind of crazy discount, he's going to be the top-paid quarterback in the NFL. Right. And so people talk about hometown discount and that sort of thing. And we've talked about it before. Sure. But in, you know, the Tom Brady model gets thrown out there. I mean, he, over time, he's left quite a bit of money on the table. I can't remember what the sum was. It was like 30, 60 million, something yeah. like that yeah. over yeah, the course of his career. There's a decent chunk that he left on the table on initial signings, right? Yeah. But what everybody seems to forget is that if you sign a contract and you perform well under that contract, and the team does well in that, under that contract, guess what you get? Another contract. So if you, if you take just slightly less uh, on, your, on your contract, I'm not talking a gigantic discount, but something to help keep the team just slightly more competitive so the team is better, the team performs better, you look better, and you get more money for the next contract you sign. See, Tom Brady isn't playing the this contract game. He's playing the all the contracts game, mm-hmm. the long-term view. So sure, maybe Russell wants to get the biggest biggest deal. Maybe that's important to him. I don't know. But if he's smart, he does take just slightly less, not a ton. He doesn't have to take like three quarters. Well, or what he could do is what he did with his last deal, do a four-year deal rather than a five and six-year deal like we've seen with Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan. Or yeah. Then you go back and you get another contract sooner and you end up making more sooner. Or you do it as a three or a, a three-year deal with the last uh, year being the a optional 
player or team option, right? Yeah. So that gets you through 2020 where the CBA is now been renegotiated. And now you know the rules you're playing by. Yeah. Russell Wilson's not going anywhere. We've explained this many no. times. Yeah. I I mean, just, when was the last time, too, that you know, one of the things that Cowherd says is that he, he calls Russell Wilson a first ballot Hall of Famer? When was the last time a potential Hall of Fame quarterback, a quarterback with multiple Pro Bowls in his prime, has ever been traded in the NFL? You can you can think of guys like Brett Favre, you know, after a year with Atlanta going to the Packers. You can think of Steve Young after a couple of years with the Bucks going to the 49ers. You know, those guys were traded before they were the names that they became. Right. Or you can do the other end of that uh, process, right? And you can think about the Joe Montana's and right. guys towards the end of their career. But in the but middle? No. In the middle, in his prime, you have to go all the way back to 1972. Fran Tarkenton traded back to the Vikings from the Giants right before he made his three Super Bowl runs. But, you know, you could even argue that Fran Tarkenton wasn't even the Fran Tarkenton that got him into the Hall of Fame in those times, because when he was traded, he had two winning seasons in the, his entire career. Now, he had multiple right. Pro Bowls and, you know, he was the, the style of, of quarterback play, you know, it was obvious that he was he was a gamer, but he he didn't take the Vikings to the three Super Bowls until he was traded back to the Vikings for that that third part of his career. Correct. So, yeah, I, the only quarterback I can think of in modern times who is in his prime and hyped to be that sort of talent and did make a Pro Bowl or two was Jay Cutler. But not Hall of Famer. No. And then, look, the other thing that really frustrates me about all this is guys like Mike Florio and Chris Sims. Like, what are you doing? Like, how, how do you take this quote-unquote rumor and begin marketing it as a new, a legitimate news story that needs to be discussed. It's the off season. And maybe it's the pot calling the kettle black that we're sitting here talking about it, but I feel like we're talking about it only because it's, it's a national story. Now. A, a, yeah. With the amount of attention that it's gotten just based on these last two days, how could you can't not talk about it? It's stupid. Yeah. I, can we be done talking about it? Let's talk about the other dumb trade stuff that was out there. All right, let's come back. Let's talk about the other dumb trade stuff. I think that's what this, the, the theme of the show is going to be now. It's just dumb trade stuff. Is that our show title? Dumb, dumb trade lies. <laughs> that's what it should be. The only one so far of these stories, whether it's a trade or free agency or whatever, that has any sort of legs to me is Earl Thomas is probably going to be a cowboy. That's not even a trade story. No, I said or free agency. Oh, okay. No, yeah. the pro football focus had Earl Thomas going to the Packers though. Uh, ask me if there's been one major free agent signed in Green Bay since Reggie White. Since Reggie White, a major free agent. Would you, would you classify Julius Peppers as that? He's a future Hall of Famer. Yeah. Yeah. A pass rusher. They just don't do it. It's not their model. It never has been. I feel like they're more open to it, though. What evidence is there for that? My feelings. Oh, okay. Well, it sounds like you and Cowherd are sourcing things uh, about the exact same way right now. <laughs> hey, what how other about, dumb trade crap was out there? How about Reggie Wayne saying that the, the Seahawks should trade Frank Clark for Antonio Brown? How about 
AB going to the Seattle Seahawks, right? They oh tag Frank Clark okay. and then trade him for AB to Pittsburgh Steelers. Now you take care of your defensive problems in Pittsburgh. Team Frank Clark up with TJ Watt to get after those quarterbacks. And AB just wanted to be appreciated. The Big 12 out there, they would appreciate him. Russell Wilson throwing to him. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like Big Ben ad libbing a little bit, finding AB up that sideline. He does ad lib though. That's he ad libs a lot. Like, that makes sense to me. Yes. I can see Russ and him kind of just, just out there do, playing just backyard playing football. Backyard football. Doug Baldwin and AB. That'd be an interesting wide receiver room though. How, how does this one make any sense for the Seahawks? None. Let me ask you a quick question. Do you think the Seahawks need to improve more offensively or defensively this upcoming year? Defensively. Oh, so you trade your best, uh, your second best defender behind Bobby Wagner. Yeah. Great idea. Yeah. So I got in trouble on our our last show on the Seahawkers show for saying that I didn't think Odell Beckham was a game changer. And I probably should have clarified that a bit better Uh because I feel Antonio Brown's about this in the same uh, light for me. They're not game changers for the Seahawks because I don't think the upgrade from Doug Baldwin to either OBJ or Antonio Brown on a production standpoint in an offense that is run heavy is going to be enough to give up one of your best defenders. That doesn't make any sense. You already have a game changer in Doug Baldwin, a guy who when he wasn't in the game this past season, you missed him on third downs big time. And he, this is the first year Doug's missed any time. He's no more, uh, no more or nor less injury prone than OBJ or Antonio Brown. Those guys miss games. And, OBJ, the only uh, argument for OBJ is that he's younger, four years younger than than Doug Baldwin. Yeah, that's fine and dandy. But he's also a, a diva, and they've been trying to de diva this team <laughs> over the last couple of years. You know what? Why would I, you re diva? Don't re diva. I agree with you from what we've seen from Antonio Brown, that complete diva OBJ. I think taking him out of New York undivas him negative because he's Wrong. in a market where he gets so much attention. And I, I just don't, I don't see the diva in him that I see in other receivers. I don't know what you're looking at then, man. What do you, what do you point to, to where you say that really what he did, it would, would really ruin team chemistry. Remember when Richard Sherman was uh, out on the sideline with antics like every other day? Yeah, Doug Baldwin His has last sideline antics. And, we're, and, we, and we, every so often. Yeah, every so every often. Every so often. No, dude. It's not, every. Not it's the same thing with OBJ. It's every so often, but it's made to be such a big again, deal because not, he's in New York. What? How much upgrade in production do you get for dealing with that? It's not an upgrade in production. It's a decrease in age. So you have you'd potentially have a player for for longer than you would Baldwin. Maybe. Let's go back. Let's go back to Frank Clark, because this idea that trading him for Brown, if you put Frank Clark out there just on the trade block alone, well, think about something that's actually in the news that matters with Frank Clark, the deal to franchise tag him. Mm-hmm. You could put a, a, an exclusive franchise tag on him. No other teams could talk to him. Or you could do like the Cowboys did with the Marcus Lawrence last year and put a non-exclusive franchise tag on him. And if a team wants to try and make a deal for him and you decide not to match their offer sheet for that player, you could get two first round picks. I think that's a legitimate discussion to have about Frank Clark. And and looking at on field goals with the article that... Uh, that John P. Gilbert did matching up Frank Clark's stats with Khalil Mack's stats. 
in their first four years. I think there's a legitimate discussion there that a team could look at Clark and say, you know what? That guy might be worth negotiating for to try and send two first round picks for for a game changing pass rusher. I, I don't think they will. But that's a more legitimate conversation than a straight up trade for Antonio Brown, somebody that I don't know if the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to get a fourth round pick for at this point. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So you're going to trade a guy that that could be worth two firsts for a guy that's maybe worth one fourth. Where's the equity? (laughs) Doesn't matter. It makes a nice story. (laughs) And on top of all of that, like the conversation with Frank Clark has to be right now. Because his agent has come out and said basically this, that they're just fine playing under the franchise tag this next year. Which is interesting because this might be you know the the Seahawks have been averse to putting guys under the franchise tag because it used to be the players didn't like playing under the franchise tag. Right. And now it's it seems to have shifted a little bit. And I don't know if that's because of Kirk Cousins or if it's just because you have Clark in the position to make life changing money. I think it's unique to Frank Clark, this situation in a way. Kind of like Cousins' situation was unique to him. The The reason it's unique for Frank is he knows that if they don't get Russell re-signed and they're going to end up playing the franchise tag with him over the, the following two years, yeah, he can only get franchised once because then they'll have to use it on Russ the next year. So really, you're only going to get franchise tag once. And on top of that, you have a bunch of prominent pass rushers coming up for contracts this year. Guys, that Clowney, yeah. That's going to that's gonna go ahead and set the market even higher so that when you negotiate at the end of the franchise tag next year, you're getting even more money than you would have signed for this year because you allow the market to go up. And in the meantime, you get to play at the average of the top five guys at your position. That's a pretty damn good paycheck. So basically, you're you're making the money of a guy who is the second and a half best paid player in the league. That's okay. That's not bad. <laughs> that's, not, that's not a bad spot to be in. And on top of all of that, if it comes out and he balls even harder next year, it only increases his value even more. You can make the case that the chances are pretty good that he's going to be better next year because he was playing with torn elbow ligaments this year. Yeah. Imagine if he has two arms to play. Your arms kind of help with the pass rushing. Yeah. With the footballing. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a definite advantage to have arms. Look, I, let me just line this out for people right quick. They're going to franchise tag Frank Clark. The only discussion is what kind of franchise tag do they use? And I think you laid that out pretty well. And then the second thing is Russell might sign close to the beginning of the actual season. He might not, but he's going to be a Seahawk for the next three years. Yeah. That's how this works. So do you take two first round picks for Frank Clark? That's really, really tough. Depends on where they are in the first round. If they're like low first round picks, no. If they were both like top 15. If the Patriots made an offer sheet for Frank Clark, you say no, because you know it's going to be like a pick in the 30s. Yeah, that's a hard pass. Yeah. But like, say like a team like Green Bay who has two first round picks this year. I don't know where they are. They would have to be in the top 15 to me. I would agree for a top tier pass rusher. I don't know all that money. I mean, how are you going to, if you pay Frank Clark $20 million, how are you going to be able to compete in the best division of football? Because they don't pay players. Rams didn't sign guys to a bunch of big contracts or have guys that got assigned to big contracts coming up. That's not happening. Aaron Donald. He makes big money. Todd Gurley got a giant deal and he can't play on the second half of the season. It looks like Like, Brandon cooks under a big deal. 
Nope, they don't sign guys to big deals. Well, free agency is coming up here in a few weeks. Looking at uh, Pro Football Talk, they came up with their list of top 100 free agents. Mm -hmm. KJ Wright, number 22. Yeah, he's definitely a guy that has some cachet around the league, and rightfully so. I mean, KJ's a hell of a baller. It'll be interesting to see after a year that he missed a fair amount of games, you know, on the wrong side of 30 now, how many other teams come after him. I think there's a guy that does enjoy being in Seattle, and I'm not sure he really wants to go anywhere else. I think if the Seahawks make him any sort of reasonable offer, I think he probably resigns with the team. I can see that. And really, it's a position in need for the Seahawks now because you have Bobby Wagner, but behind him, you got Austin Cletro, you got Barkevius Mingo. I mean, those were guys where Seahawks fans weren't too happy with the play of either of those guys this past year. And probably, I think Calitro is a little unfair. I thought he played well for a backup. Oh, yeah. He just he's not a guy that you would look at and go, oh, he's going to be the next starter, especially when Michael Kendricks, you don't know what's going to happen to him come April. I mean, at least if there would have been a decision on the Kendricks case in January and you could have gone into free agency knowing that, OK, he's a free dude. You can maybe let KJ walk and get Kendricks at a, a little bit more of a discount and, and keep him in Seattle. And that could be the heir apparent to the KJ Wright position. But you can't there, there's now that that's been moved back to April. There's really no way to to go into the draft in that part of the season knowing what you're going to do at that spot. Right. And then do you believe Shaquem Griffin is a guy that's going to come up and be the starting weak side linebacker at some point? Could be. That's all they need. I mean, possibly. I know everybody looks back to that Denver game and says, oh, he was so terrible in that Denver game. That was week one of the season. I mean, yeah. generally guys get better with coaching and learning the NFL and and learning their position. He could get better. I am more interested to see where Shaquem Griffin is about midway through his third season. Yes, that's where that's when I'll be able to look at him and say for sure one way or the other if the if he's going to be able to run with the ones and if he's worth keeping around at you know big time money for a fifth round pick halfway through the third season that's not un, unreal to think about i mean guys like cam chancellor and richard sherman don't come along all that often where you have a fifth rounder who's starting the very next season and look, I mean, I, I'm just curious to see his development. So we'll see what happens there. The Kendricks thing is interesting. It depends on how gambly the Seahawks feel. It depends on what sort of information they have regarding the Kendricks situation. Who knows how long he gets or does not get right. in jail. And that's a big domino. But we're kind of focusing on weak side linebacker uh, a lot. But what about strong side linebacker with Mingo in that Leo position? I could see them making a move in free agency with guys like uh, Brandon Marshall. Linebacker for the Broncos. He's out there on the free agency market. You know, I'm trying to look at discount mm -hmm. guys. Of course, you know, there's there's top tier guys like Anthony Barr, who's you know, number 21 on that list of free agents at Pro Football Talk. But, you know, go a little farther down the list. Derek Morgan for the Titans. I could see him making a little bit of sense for the Seahawks. You know, a good pass rushing on the line defensive end slash linebacker mm -hmm. and uh, using somebody like that to upgrade the, the Mingo spot. Well, let's look at the way that the Seahawks do business in free agency. They never, ever sign a top-tier guy in his prime like and give one of those mega contracts, right? No. They don't do that. They either, they either catch a guy on the, on the young side who's cheap and is unknown, 
or they catch a guy, you know, that's closer to the end of his career that maybe you can squeeze a year or two out of, but you're never going to see them make a big splash. Now they'll trade for that guy. We've seen that, whether that's Jimmy Graham or Percy Harvin, Mm -hmm. but they're not going to go out and sign somebody like uh, D Ford, who I saw pro football focus (laughs) saying that the Seahawks will go out and get. Well, isn't D Ford getting a little older? Or is he one of the young guys? Because I get Houston and Ford and their little trio of pass rushers screwed up in my mind. D Ford is 27, so he's on the young side. Okay. But yeah, that isn't happening. So when I looked at the Seahawks and thinking about free agency this year, there was a couple positions that jumped out at me that made sense where they might you know, spend for a free agent. One was the Leo position, more defensive tackle depth. Sure. Uh, or or just defensive line as a whole, a guard or a right tackle on offense, mm-hmm. safety, and kicker. Uh, those are those were the positions that I were like, okay, those are the guys I'd be interested in as yeah. I was scrolling through the names. Because I feel like you need three starting safeties now. Just with the way the league is and how hard those guys hit, it's just hard to stay healthy. And safety has become an extremely important position in the past happy NFL. Safety was one of the positions I considered too, and I looked at it, and because I feel like they have some depth at the position, but they don't have a top guy. Like you could upgrade over Tedrick Thompson, I think, pretty easily in this free agency class. And the one Maybe. guy, the the one guy that I looked at was Haha Clinton Dix. That's a name that did stick out to me. I mean, he's bounced around a little bit here, which would diminish his value. Well, he, he, the Packers traded him this last season to Washington. Right. And right before, you know, to try and get a pick, I think, before he was. Uh, I'm guessing that the Packers were expecting him to stick around. And yeah, so they wanted to case. get something for him before he hit free agency. And they were able to do that with Washington. No, and that makes some sense. He's still a younger guy. And I think he's a good player. Uh, another guy at the safety position that I would like this on a number of levels would be LaMarcus Joyner. I think he's actually a very good safety. He's up for free agency. You take him from a rival and you pair him up with McDougald, T2, uh, and it, those those three guys, Delano Hill, you, you make you got a pretty good safety situation at that point. If we're taking guys away from the Rams, though, you know, we we on the Seahawkers podcast last week, we interviewed the guys from the Rams podcast and, and the one guy that they said that they didn't want to lose. And this kind of fits into your idea of paying a guard or a tackle taking away Roger Saffold. On my list. Absolutely. <laughs> I would. That was their number one guy that they would love to see stay with the Rams. Well, that's the one I'd like to take away then. Well, this is a little of the nonsensical things to think about is, uh, look, they're not letting Roger Saffold out the door. Now, that's probably the one guy that they, they just don't let leave. Right. So yeah. I don't think I don't think that's a reality, really. But, you know, somebody that I, I would think about. You think they franchise him, though? They might. You could at very least transition them though, right? So you have to, sure. so, so there's a, you have the ability to match. Exactly. That can make no, sense. He's Saffold. just, he's just not getting, he's not going to walk out the door. Yeah. You know, speaking of guards, let's say, so I think the Seahawks go out and re-sign uh, Fluker. I think that happens. Sweezy is more of a question mark to me. Yeah. Pro Bowl alternate this last year. Right. So if it's not Sweeze, I, w- I want you to think about this name for a second and, and see what you think. James Carpenter, 30 years old. That's not ancient. 
put it together in New York. He's another huge mountain of a man that would be amazing in the run game. You have Fluke on one side of Britt and Carpenter on the other. And you know he's going to be cheap. I could even see him being an upgrade over. Let's just look how much is Sweezy going to get paid. Hey, this is all about. So when we talk about all these names, let's put it in this context. Right. When I talk about these names, it's for the right money, right? Like it would have to. Oh, yeah. It would have to be a contract that makes sense. And I don't know what Sweezy's going to get on the open market in comparison to Carp. Like, so if Sweezy goes like this is an option that you could plug in somebody you're familiar with. And of the two guys that you would think would garner some interest from other teams, you think Sweezy's going to be the guy to get some interest over Fluker. Why would you think that? I think he had the better year list last year. Really? Now, in terms of Seahawks locker room and the presence and what he brought some of the intangibles to the team, I, I would pick Fluker. He's the guy that I would think that just seemed to to fit and add a, a different kind of presence for the locker room. He was good for Jermaine Fetty, I think. Okay. But, all right. See, this is where I was going to go. I was like, if you want to compare the two dudes right now, who did who did Sweezy get to play next to? Yeah. Dwayne Brown. Right. Okay. That that helps. You know what uh, Fluker did? He not only got the right guard position fixed, but he helped Jermaine Effetti not be a total dumpster fire. But I don't think that that necessarily that the rest of the NFL is going to look at that and, and consider that. That's fine. If they want to pay, if, if the market for Fluker is less than Sweezy, that's I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Because I do think in a couple of months, we'll be looking at that Sweezy and he'll have a better contract deal than Fluker. Really? I do. I mean, I'll take your word for it. Okay. But anyways, I, I just mean, I could be wrong too, but I, that's my feeling. Okay. I just thought Carpenter would be an interesting uh, uh, fit if Sweezy did end up moving on. Yeah, I could see that. The bummer is that looking out there around the league, I don't know if there's a whole lot of right tackles in free agency that are even an upgrade over a Fetty. No, I didn't. I didn't come across a, a lot of guys in my, you know, short search. I mean, maybe, maybe Jared Veld here, like he's 31, but I mean, he's good when he plays. He's just, he's hurt a lot. Yeah. Like that was kind of the one right tackle. Maybe that you could get on the cheap, but you know, going back to guard, I'm Ramon Foster from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. I was just looking he's, at him too. Yeah. He's an older guy, 33, but had a solid year last year. He's stayed relatively healthy over his mm-hmm. career, you know, 14, 15, 16 games just since 2011. So a guy that you can count on being out on the field. Yeah. You know who else is on my list? If we go back to Leo position a little bit. Who's that? Bruce Irvin. <laughs> I'd be okay with having Bruce back. I wonder if he kind of wants to stay in Atlanta, though. I don't know. Well, I mean, we'll find out, right? Yeah. Or if Atlanta wants him back. That, that could be true, too. You, you know, kind of put it together doing, over the last four games. While we're doing go-backs in terms of older players, uh, Glover Quinn, free safety. Yeah, okay. His deal's yeah. up with the Lions. I think he's 33. You could get a year or two out of him. Possibly. Okay, well, one spot that we haven't talked about yet on the defensive line, I think Shamar Stefan is one of those players on the defensive line that you could look at and say the, the Seahawks on the interior could use an upgrade. Sure. Who interested you on the defensive line? All right, if uh, if the Seahawks did something out of their norm, I would love them to sign Trey Flowers. I want all the Trey Flowerses. Uh, <laughs> yeah, to the, the, the pass rusher from New England. From New England. Yeah. And, I mean, and he's more than a pass rusher. He's extremely versatile, very sound player. He's only 25. 
That is not going to happen, but I wish it would. I really like Trey Flowers. Yeah, he's going to get some money from somewhere. If I'm looking at like bargain uh, basement kind of guys that you could kind of take a flyer on, I like Darius Fillon from uh, from San Diego. Not San Diego, Los Angeles, because they're in Los Angeles now. They're still in <laughs> Los Angeles. I'll get it right someday. Defensive tackle, good run stuffer, uh, has had some injuries, but, uh, you know, has a has a pedigree. You know, I was looking at a defensive tackle from Los Angeles, from the Chargers, Corey Legit. Yeah. It's funny when I was going through some of these free free agents in Corey L- Lugit, Luigit, Legit, Luigit, Legit. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I know the name. I know the player. I can close my eyes and picture him. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know how many guys I went down this list and I realized I had no idea how to pronounce their name. <laughs> Quite a few. Quite a few. <laughs> like Glover Quinn. Is it Glover? Is it Glover? I don't know. I think it's Glover. It's Glover. I just didn't realize how many of those guys there are. I actually looked up both of those because I, I was curious. <laughs> okay. You know, a guy that I don't have to uh, look up how to pronounce his name. Who's that? Or his nickname at the very least. Honey Badger. He's up there, though. He's he's up there. What? He could get paid. I don't know. I think his Ha-ha injury history? would be a guy that would be somewhat similar production that you wouldn't have to pay as much for. Oh, I, I kind of see them as same level contract money. Okay. But I guess it's because I see them a lot like you do. Uh, same as in ability level at this point in their careers. Mm-hmm. But I like Honey Badger, man. I, I've, I've always enjoyed his personality. He's always on the, the NFL top 100 at the end of every year. They always end up sticking Tyron Matthew in one of the Seahawks videos, right? To right. talk about one of the Seahawks players. Yeah, and because he's always of the very complimentary. between Arizona and Seattle, right? Right. And he's always, I just, I think he would fit into that locker room really well. And uh, I like his attitude, man. I think he stays in Houston. I don't think they let him go. I don't know how they pay all those guys. I think they have some cap space. And I think that, you know, I, mean, I guess their quarterbacks on a rookie contract. Yeah, I think they're going to let Lamar go. I've heard that they they might be in the running to get Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> okay, then have fun with that. It would make that team really interesting offensively. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. That'd be a good, you know, in a lot of ways, that would be a decent signing for them. Pair him with Deshaun Watson, running a lot of that read option stuff. Will Fuller. Until, until Le'Veon gets pissed off about something or fails another drug test. You get one good year out of him. Hard to say. You know, one spot we haven't talked about, wide receiver. I think there's a potential upgrade here. And you know this because last year we got Jerron Brown. Well, the good Brown, John Brown, he's out there going to be a free agent this year. Yeah, not so much interested in him only because he is exactly the same as Tyler Lockett as far as his game. He's a little guy. Why would it be bad to have two Tyler Lockett's on the field? Okay, so let me let me fill you in on something. The Seahawks have been trying to get a big-bodied receiver for the longest time, right? Like they, But they will not spend draft capital on it. They only either want to bring in an aging veteran... Or uh, a guy that's a total project, you know, like David Moore, you sure. know, somebody like that. But there's one guy that stuck out to me a little bit. How about Devin Funches? 24 years old. I think he's much better than he showed, especially going down the stretch of this last year. He, he, he kind of struggled a bit. He's that big bodied receiver with great hands, and he could be a great compliment to Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett. And I don't think he's going to get what he's worth because he's had to play with Cam Newton. 
He could be under the radar. Not a lot of people think of Devin Funches as being one of the elite receivers, quote unquote, right? Right. But he's been their number one. Mm. And on top of all of that, it's hard for him to be productive in an offense that revolves around the running back. Yeah. A check down to the running back. I just don't know if the Seahawks are going to lock up. Well, I don't know what kind of money Funches could ask for. would be asking for either. I think that could be an under the radar type deal. Just because I was thinking John Brown could be under the radar. You know, he made five million last season. He was a nice red zone target. Five TDs uh, for Jerron Brown. John Brown had the exact same with the Ravens and with the, his production under Flacco. You know, he was on pace for a Pro Bowl season before Lamar Jackson came in. And then he just he was he was off the map. And I don't know if that was because mm. of of injuries or not, but they, they threw his way a lot. It's just that he didn't have, I, I looked at uh, pro football focus targeted 91 times, only completed 42 passes his direction, but only 49 of the 91 balls thrown his way were, were considered catchable. catchable. Ouch. <laughs> so he did. He was up there in terms of drops, but right. still the, the fact that he, he didn't know if he was going to get a catchable ball, like half the time his way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he is a productive player and I do like his game, but I just, I, I my only concern is, is that now you have overlapping skill sets and it's going to be hard to have all those guys on the field at the same time. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you do. Maybe you can do that. I think they could, but can you think, imagine Devin Funches also in the run game, right? Being able to block big body dude. Yeah. I think you win that. You win that round. Yeah. Okay. You you got a good kicker for, for Seabass. We need a okay. I, I was just gonna say we've talked a lot about a lot of positions. I just want to throw one more in before we get to kicker. Okay, and just because Will Disley did hurt himself, Dixon's older. I and they're always kind of playing in that tight end market. Yeah, Jesse James is a free agent from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Hell of a blocker, good pass catcher. Only twenty five has a badass name. Yeah, him and Disley, two tight end sets. Mm-mm. Yeah, I like the idea of that. Well, what about, uh, you know, the one name that's a little bit curious would, would be Austin Safarian Jenkins, who made a trip up to Seattle last no. year in the free agency market. Why do you keep trying to bring in these terrible character guys? Yeah, maybe that's why they didn't sign him last year. Yes, that's exactly why. He's lazy. He's a bad guy. Okay, gosh. I, I mean, I don't know these guys. I don't know any of these guys. Well, I mean, the reputation. Let's put it that way. Tyler Eifert's out there. I don't need to pay for him to be injured on the bench. For as much as he's been injured, I don't know if he gets that big of a contract. Mm, no. I, we'll see if he even plays. It, I, it'll I, be I'm a one-year deal for sure. Let's talk about kickers, though, a little bit, because we've talked a lot about all these other position groups, and maybe the most important as far as winning and losing games... It's going to be kicker. It's going to be kicker. Uh, and we've spent very little time talking about kicker. Let's dive into that a little bit. Do you think they're looking for a young guy that can sign like a little more long term? Or do you think they're going to go the Seabass route again and just find a, an older kicker? I think they're going to go back to Blair Walsh. They'll, they'll call him up. We'll try that again. <laughs> See if he can get his signature on the page this time. I don't. This is such it is such an important position. But the way the Seahawks have treated the position this last year. I don't have a lot of confidence that they're going to go out and spend a lot of money. I think that they'll, they'll probably do the same thing. They'll bring in a young guy to compete with an older guy. They, they may even 
consider keeping Seabass around to to have another guy to compete with, and we might just have to go through that again. Seabass's body is done. Yeah, I, he, I'm just so I'm still disappointed that we didn't keep Hauschka around. Well, you, that's a long time ago. You need to let that go. <laughs> I no and focus I'm on not the now. Let it go. Okay. So first guy that stood out to me is uh, Robbie Gold. I know he's older. He's like thirty, what, thirty seven, thirty seven. But he made ninety seven percent of his kicks last year. He's been in pressure situations. I know he doesn't have the biggest leg anymore, but he's clutch. He's going to be the most expensive kicker out there in this offseason. I'm willing to spend a little money on kicker. How about the guy that we let walk out the door last year? Jason Myers had a nice year with the Jets. Yeah, those are probably going to be the two. Well, I guess you can throw in Guskowski. Those, those three guys would be the three that'll probably get paid the most. Right. I'm fine with paying for a kicker. If the Seahawks go out and spend $3 million on any one of those three guys, I am not complaining. Although Goskowski, I kind of wonder, you know, he missed the kick in the Super Bowl. I wonder if he's getting a little bit too close to the end. If the Patriots don't resign him, I, I would tend to stay away from him. I've never thought of Goskowski as particularly money or particularly bad, but just solid, right? Uh, I don't know if that's a guy that you pay big money to. One other guy that I'd be interested in is Will Lutz from the Saints. Only 25 years old, made 93% of his kicks last year, has a big leg. I kind of want to just have Ficken, so that way we can make all of our German listeners uncomfortable throughout the season. Oh, okay. I don't know if you know what Ficken means in, in German. I, but I don't, so the joke was lost on me. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, everybody can look it up, and then they can, okay. they can see what a, a and great... And they can chuckle uh, themselves. They can all chuckle... Uh, uh, sophomorically to themselves when when they see what right. the definition is. Let's talk about guys that we definitely don't want to see. Like Dan Bailey, no. Mike Nugent, no. Cairo Santos, no. You don't want Dan Bailey? No. Huh. He was awful last year. Yeah, that's in Minnesota, though. In a dome! I feel like that place is cursed anyway. So does he bring some of the Minnesota curse with him? Was he there long enough? It doesn't seem to you know wash off. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't want to see Phil Dawson. I don't want to see Matt Bryant. But you you might get one good year out of Bryant. Maybe that might be the low cost option that we end up with. I don't know the the Giants kicker, uh, free agent uh, Rosas. Ninety seven percent of his kicks made last year. That's pretty good. Thirty two years old. He's exclusive rights though. He's uh, so they'll pay him. They only have to pay him the minimum, and they have his rights. Oh. Will Lutz, though, you might be able to just trying to think because Will Lutz is a restricted free agent. If you, you know, if they'll give him a second round tender or it'll be interesting to see what the Saints do with that. You know, that brings me to George Fant, another restricted free agent. Mm -hmm. Seahawks have a decision to make with him. Original round tender. If you give him, if you put that tag on him, yeah, he's not going to be a high cost option for the 2019 season. But if someone comes around and offers him a contract and you match it or you get nothing, whereas if you put a second round tender on him, you're paying him a couple million dollars. No, you're not that concerned about fam. Not even slightly, dude. Like we can we can have any any guy go out there and play extra offensive lineman. Okay, he's he's I know he's one of your favorites and I and I get it. But look. 
he's a guy, he's a basketball player who's just barely figuring out football. He just tore up his knee, comes back, and all he can be on the team, he can't even beat out a Fetty. Okay? He was close. I don't need to, I don't need to waste $1 on that. Not one. When we could use that to sign like another serviceable guard. All right. I know you're not much of a fan fan, but it's it's not that I like him or dislike him. I'm just realistic about George Fant and his actual abilities. Okay. He's just a dude. I just had such high hopes for him. I, I, I know. Have, I have an emotional attachment to George Fant. You're having an emotional day, man. We've talked a lot about your feelings. Whether it was Hauschka or Fant, or I asked you how you decided on one of those trade rumors. It's like how you felt. Okay. Like it was a how, how do you how do you watch and enjoy this game and not feel anything? Well, being dead on the inside, I wouldn't know any different. <laughs> and I still seem to enjoy it somehow. Somehow. All right. What do you say we take a break and we come back and on the the close the show with some better at life, some do better, and maybe some thoughts on the AAF. Perfect. Let's do it, man. We are getting into the third week of the Alliance for American Football season, the other professional football league that I think we've been a little bit surprised with how much we've enjoyed it these first couple of weeks. Uh, yeah. So I caught the first weekend and enjoyed it. Uh-huh. I, just for timing reasons, I missed the games this last weekend. I caught the first, I caught the early game on Saturday this past weekend, okay. which so wasn't I the greatest game. I caught one of the games on Sunday for a short period of time, and I tried really hard to watch it. Mm. But what they were doing is during the, the play, they were going to the little sky cam thing, like down. Yeah, the Madden just cam. Like, yeah, like over sitting over top of the right corner, basically. Oh, and that's that was your perspective as you watch the play unfold, and you can't see the right corner, so it's not Madden Cam. It's not Madden Cam. Mm. It's like just like near where the right corner is on the sideline. Oh, that's and weird. But low, but low in the sky, like so you can't. You can't even see all the players at once. I mean, often you can't see the safeties in the traditional. Sure. Uh, but you can't hardly even see the linebackers sometimes in this this situation. Yeah, that's really weird. You can't see the holes. You'd only you be can't. able to see the one corner then. You wouldn't be able to even see the left corner from that angle. Not at all. You saw the that route develop for two steps and then they were out of the screen. Huh. Yeah, I wouldn't I like that. I freaking hated it. Like... I understand pushing the envelope and I understand using that shot for like replay and like, you know, other things like that. That's cool. But for the live action, don't get cute here. AF. Well, I think like, that's one thing that the Alliance is testing out though. I, they seem to be testing out a lot of interesting things. And I mean, the one thing that's the most interesting is getting to hear the discussion with the replay official that's in the booth with the replay official that's on the field. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think a lot of fans have looked at and said, yeah, I think I'd, I'd actually like to see that in the NFL. Some more transparency where I don't think we're going to get it, but uh, it would be and whether or not maybe they actually put somebody in there. I don't think we're ever going to hear the discussions uh, like we do with the Alliance, but it's uh, an interesting little twist that uh, adds to the the watchability factor of it. I think I actually really like it 
because it does give you at least an insight into the mindset of how they got to their decision rather than it goes to the booth and it comes down and they're like incomplete. And you're like, how in the hell could you ever have come up? You'll come to that conclusion. Yeah. Right. I don't think the NFL will do it because they are terrified of having extra exposure <laughs> of the, the refs and just having guys say things that they're going to have to explain away week in, week out. I don't, I don't see that happening. Although I think it would actually in practice, I think it would make the conversation around the officiating go down because of the extra transparency. Yeah. You would help. It would help you understand at least how they got to that position. But I don't think the NFL looks at it that way. I think they look at it as, oh, crap, that's added exposure for one of these guys to put their foot in their mouth. And maybe maybe it's not the best for everybody to see how the cheese is getting made. The one problem with the alliance that's apparent is there aren't enough good quarterbacks. True. I mean, that's not that's not shocking, is it? No, there's we're just now getting to the point where we kind of have enough good quarterbacks to go around in the NFL to where every team at least has somebody who can play. Right. Uh, you kind of feel like Manziel would be an upgrade for some of these guys at this point, right? Maybe. Yeah, I think uh, he's locked into a contract now with the Canadian Football League, but I don't know how long that contract was. So. I don't know how long uh, how long it goes either, but yeah. And uh I mean is Hackenberg still starting? <laughs> I I heard that he started this last week and I knew it, I knew that, away the but, <laughs> like the first couple snaps. Yeah, and then had another terrible game. He is dreadful. I don't know how he's starting. I should start if Hackenberg is starting. Menberg's on that team. I know. Yeah, I have I another Berg. Him. Yeah. They, I think that's the uh, litmus test to be a quarterback for for their team is you have to have Berg somewhere in your name. There's not enough Bergs to go around. They'll probably try to get uh, Ben Roethlisberger in there when he's like <laughs> 63 years old. Steve DeBerg. He could be out there. There you go. He could probably play at 50. Uh, maybe he could barely play at regular age. Yeah, Actually, but this I like is I he's mean, good we're, at play action. We're talking about uh, you know playing for Memphis, though. All I know is uh, Steve probably... Deberg is sixty-five years old. <laughs> I was gonna say I don't think he's fifty. <laughs> I didn't realize he was that old. No, yeah, he he is. Yeah, he was old when I watched him playing quarterback. Yeah, he's been around for a minute. But overall, I I'm still a fan of the alliance. I hope they clean up the camera angle thing. And I'm I'm in for watching more games if it fits in. It's not like for me, it's not like the NFL where like my day is planned around my NFL viewing, if at all possible, if it's not a, a work conflict. Yeah, I like the idea of having every game being able to find it at any given time, whether it's Saturday, Sunday, you know, they're, they're not overlapping these games, mm-hmm. but in a way that that's kind of a, a hindrance to it, too, because you can set aside three, four hours on Sunday at a certain time and you can flip between the channels. If a game is not really all that exciting, you can flip to another one. You only have one option at any particular time and it's all weekend long. My only problem is, is that uh, some of the games are on NFL network. Oh, and you can't get it. And uh, sometimes that's a struggle for me to, to get, I think they show them all up on their website though. Do they? Yeah. Oh, Okay. That was one of the reasons I didn't watch this last weekend is I just I couldn't get direct TV now was being stupid and somehow was broken. Oh, and so, nope, just couldn't watch it. And I, not on any of my other streaming you know, situations. Could I could I get it? Yeah, I not just even pulled over, it up or right the antenna, my, even. my web browser. Hmm. OK, 
They almost ran out of money, apparently. I don't know that that's entirely true. So from what I've heard conflicting stories. Okay. And one of it is that they were out of money. So this, this dude like gave him a bunch of money, right? Yeah. The Carolina hurricanes owner. Right. The other uh, story that I heard was he was like looking at this after a couple of weeks and went, I'm getting in on this on the ground floor. Yeah. I, when they start talking about quote unquote glitches in their payment system as to why players didn't get paid on time, I, I kind of wonder if that's, I don't know. Uh, it makes me wonder. It just is hard for me to believe that you're starting a new league with enough capital to only run for two weeks. Not at least one season. That seems a little risky. Well, not only it just seems like legitimately stupid, like and they're not stupid people. Bill Polian is not a stupid person. Yeah. Well, and I can see, you know, that Hurricanes owner wanting to to get in on it. Now, I've seen people saying that he's uh, given the AAF two hundred and fifty million. No, I don't think that's a a gift. I think that's an investment. Is he expecting a little ROI on that? Generally, when people who own many millions of dollars. Mm hmm. I think that they try and be smart with their money. They, they're not in the practice of just giving it away to people or organizations uh, for like no reason. When you're Bill Gates, like, yeah, you, you get to the point where you can give away many millions of dollars. But, you know, even Bill Gates, I think, is expect, <laughs> expecting uh, some kind of return. Well, it, depending on if it's a charity situation or not. But yeah. uh, the, the alliance is not a charity. So, yeah. Well, and that's where I think we're seeing the biggest experimentation is with their their phone app and seeing what kind of uh, gambling investments this can result in from the AF. This is a this is a trial balloon for for more gambling in sports, I think, is is where this is really uh, cool, where they're probably cool. going to get most of their money out of it. Dude, I've I've never understood everybody's fascination in or trepidation or gambling in sports. Well, like seriously, people, what is the fear here? Like, I don't. And what is the the obsession with it? Either you gamble on a game or you don't. Like, I don't. I don't see the the massive ripple effects of of problems that this would open up for the world. It's not Pandora's freaking box. Like, I don't. I don't understand it. I don't even know why it's a, a conversation. Yeah, I, I've never known anybody who got addicted to gambling and, and had it ruin their life. Okay, look, I understand that to a degree, but whether it is they're going to get addicted to sports gambling or gambling on horses or gambling on the roulette table or gambling at Kino machines or whatever it is, if you're going to become addicted to gambling, you'll find a source to do it. Oh, sure. I mean, so what are you going to do? Like so, you're gonna you're gonna make it so nobody can gamble because a, a few people have problems with it. I mean, it's a lot like alcohol, right? Well, you're uh, you're just asking. You don't understand the trepidation. I I think that's that's where it is. It's just another avenue to where you can lose all your money and do it right from your couch at home on the app. Sure, don't do that. I would hope not. But I'm also one of those wackadoos. It's like just make it all legal, and if you want to ruin your life, have at it, Haas. It's yeah. a free country. Okay. I mean, and I think as far as the integrity of the game and like people gambling on the game to, you know, and then affecting the outcome like a Tim Donahue or, you know, somebody like that from the NBA scandal a few years back. Yeah. I, 
look, I think if you make it legal, you probably have less of a problem of that. I mean, it's these backdoor shady guys that you're doing deals with and then you get in trouble with that are the ones you're way more afraid of than if it's all above board and legal. And on top of that, if really all the black market stuff goes away because it is above board and legal, then you're not going to be able to gamble if you're like an official uh, official somewhere. Like, because they'll be out there in the public space. Right. I think it, I think it would help with that problem. Uh, yeah, I think you make a point there. All right. AAF. So far, kind of a thumbs up. Yeah, so far, so good, right? Some of those guys are going to make the NFL. That's cool. I like dudes getting second chances. Absolutely. Terrence Garvin, former Seahawk out there. He had a pretty good game that first week. No, yeah, these guys, uh, the, the interesting thing is it sounds like NFL teams are already calling and they're saying, no, they, they're under contract till the end of the season. So you have to mm-hmm. wait until the end of the AAF season to before any of these guys get offers. Interesting. Yeah. That's probably better for the teams. Uh, for think, the NFL. Yeah, you don't want to, well, and you don't want the, the AAF teams like getting poached <laughs> midway through Mid-season. their season. Can you imagine if the Seahawks were on a playoff run and somebody came in and was like from a, like some sort of superior league that magically appeared in the sky and they're like, we're taking Russell Wilson now. Yeah. Like if Russell Wilson was like showed some kind of soccer skill and the, sure. the league over in Europe says, oh, yeah, we're going to sign Russell Wilson. You're, you're not going to have him anymore. Right. Like two billion dollars. What do you say we get into some do better and better at life? What? No new little flockers this week? No new flockers this week. Okay, well, we need to talk about getting in the flock for at least a second then. Getintheflock.com and uh, you can join us. And what what happens if you join the flock, Brandon? Like, what are some of the different tiers that you can get in on Patreon to help support the show? Because we've done this always as like a value for value type model, right? If we're bringing a little value to your life, maybe kick us a little value back. That's really the the main thing it is. You know, whether or not you get stickers or patches or you get to join our, our Facebook group. I think that's all just ancillary stuff. I think it's it's the idea that you get some value out of listening to us week to week. And whatever you decide that that is, that's what you decide to contribute. And if, and if it's zero, then leaving a review just to say, hey, you, you know, great job, you guys. Absolutely. Or that, sending us emails that can give us topics from week to week. That can be that, helpful. That can be helpful. There's plenty of ways. I know to we pro- did have a couple nice reviews uh, this last week, and I, we appreciate those folks for that. We do. Yeah, we're going to need a lot more, though. We're kind of re- rebooting here with field goals. And so it's, uh, you know, it's going to take a little effort from all the little flockers and uh, all the new potential little flockers to get in there and, uh, you know, talk the show up a little bit. Or don't uh, say I'm the garbage. I don't care. <laughs> like, just write something. Yeah, unfortunately, I think we've lost more more flockers in February than the, the, the we've earned. Well, that happens every year. Yeah, but we're ramping up to the draft time and free agency. There's a couple yeah. important months coming up. Hey, look, it's it's been difficult for six years to do this more or less weekly. I mean, it's a big chunk of our time. We both work full-time jobs doing other things. Yeah. You know, uh, we have families. So uh, that's that's why we do the get in the flock. You can get in for as little as a dollar a month. That's true. What do you say we get on to some do better and better at life? Might do better this week it's for the Denver Broncos. What in good God's name are you thinking? Like what what happened to John Elway? You don't like the the trade for Joe Flacco? That is stupid. <laughs> I mean, what did they give up a fourth? Maybe. That's a real pick for Joe Flacco. I mean, Joe's been done for years now. I mean, basically, after the Super Bowl year, he's been terrible. He's an average Joe. 
I don't know what John Elway's thinking here. Like, it feels like he goes into free agency every year and he, he feels like he has two options to sign quarterbacks. One is a terrible quarterback or another terrible quarterback. <laughs> you gave up draft capital for Joe Flacco. And you had Case Keenum under contract for this coming season. Right. How are those guys different? They're, they're not. I, in fact, I might argue that uh, Flacco is worse. He's further removed from a real decent football season than Case Keenum is. Yeah. Keenum had a good year. For the Vikings? For yeah. the Vikings. Yeah. Two years ago. Exactly. Flacco, last time he had a good year, Colin Kaepernick was still in the league and going to Super Bowls. Yeah. Think about that for a second. <laughs> Joe Flacco couldn't beat out a guy who can't throw. With Lamar Jackson. I, I know. <laughs> yeah, that's curious. And then on top of all that, like, you know, you know how to judge a trade, right? When like you would think if that happened to my team, would I want that or not you know, that to happen? And we have a very good friend who's a massive trash talker, who's a giant Denver Broncos fan. And the second that trade went down, because I had joked earlier in the year, I was like, oh, wait till you get Flacco. You're going to love that. <laughs> and uh, it just said, the text just said, Catfishing Flacco. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Well, you know, John Elway seems to have this obsession with tall quarterbacks and Joe Flacco is the tallest quarterback to win a Super Bowl. So it only makes sense that he'd go and and play for Elway's Broncos. Some argue he's a big armed quarterback. I he used to be. I think he had the lowest yards per attempt out of all the guys who actually started this year or at least close to the bottom. (laughs) And I think he wasn't far from Keenum. Exactly. I just, I don't understand John Elway and the way he evaluates quarterbacks. And maybe it's just having been a great quarterback. Like you just expect guys to go out there and just, well, just go out there and be awesome. Yeah. Like, that's all I need you to do. Even if you're old, just be awesome. Just be like me. Yeah. And it's worked once, right? Like, because he got a guy that actually had the pedigree of uh, awesomeness and Peyton Manning. Yeah. And even then it was still was an enormous risk coming off the neck surgery. Right. I don't understand his evaluation of the quarterback position. I mean, drafting guys like Paxton Lynch, the second Paxton Lynch was drafted, I just texted my Broncos friend. and I just said, I'm sorry. We may have found a team that's worse at evaluating quarterbacks than the Seahawks. I, I think it's, yeah, it's in range. Because, yeah, Elway, in a way, I don't know if you can say got lucky, but he took a risk that paid off with Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. And... I think, in a way, the Seahawks took a risk with Russell Wilson that's really paid off well. But outside of those, for each organization, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, Case Keenum is like their uh, Tavares Jackson. Well, having a franchise quarterback or finding a franchise quarterback, it turns out it's really hard. And people want to let Russell Wilson go. That's, there you go. That's the argument that I can't even understand. Oh, yeah. Seahawks. Let them go. They don't throw the ball that much anyway. <laughs> yeah, they're holding him back. He only led the league in touchdown passes uh, two years ago. Yeah. And last they're year, he, back. he was what in the top three or four with yes. like 200 fewer attempts than, right. the, than the guys ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But let that anyways, guy go. I don't know what the Denver Broncos were thinking here. The QB carousel spins round and round and round. Good luck with that. And John Elway, Denver Broncos, do better. I'd be so pissed if I was a Broncos fan. (laughs) My do better for this week is for Antonio Brown. You know, Terrell Owens 
said recently that he's somewhat of a mentor to Brown, which could explain a lot based on what we've seen from Brown lately. Part of me, Adam, but part of me doesn't even want to really blame the guy, though. I mean, I wouldn't want to play for Ben Roethlisberger either. I'd be I'd be doing stuff to, nope. to get off that team, too. Yeah, but this last week because of quality of play or quality of person more of the latter. Okay. I mean, it's nice to have a guy who can get you the ball, but from all the accounts of not just his his history, but just of what kind of guy he is in the locker room. It doesn't sound like a guy I'd want to play with. No. But 14 years ago, Adam, we had one iconic moment from Terrell Owens when, with his standoff with the Eagles. And I think it's burned into most of our collective brains from, from that moment of T.O. doing sit-ups in his driveway and, and not really answering questions from reporters. Can you believe that that's 14 years ago? No, I can't. How am I hurting the team? I'm out yeah. here working out, trying to help the team right now. Well, I think we found the the 2019 equivalent of that moment for Antonio Brown this last week on Instagram, because Antonio Brown now wants to be known as Mr. Big Chest. Call me Mr. Big Chest. Big Chest for now on. Big Chest Brown for now on. Don't even call me AB. Just call me Big Chest. Just call me Big Chest. Okay, the only person who's successfully given themselves a nickname is Kobe Bryant. And that's kind of gross. And then, I mean, I don't know, like, if that really fits a male, <laughs> that uh, that nickname. Some people were speculating like, that maybe he was saying Mr. Big Checks. But I'm pretty sure it was chest. It sounded like yeah. chest to me. Yeah. And the camera was pointing at his chest when he, was, when he turned on the video, so... So what do you think he means by Mr. that? Mr. Big Chest? Like that he's, I don't know, like has a big heart or he has a lot of pride or what? what is that supposed to, what does he think that that's supposed to make me envision, right? Because when I hear the words Big Chest, I don't think about a dude. If you're going to say that you, that you're big in, in an area of your body. <laughs> right. That's usually not the area that a guy no. highlights. I mean, shoulders, maybe feet, hands, hands. Yeah, those are all areas. Maybe, maybe some others, maybe. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. Generally, it's not uh, not the. This chest. is why it's a terrible idea to give yourself your own nickname. You brought it up. I agree. Antonio Brown, do better. Man, he's just kind of. It feels like he's losing it a little bit. I'm telling you, this is all. I think it's just he has to get away from Roethlisberger this year. And he's decided that that's what he's going to do. And he, that at all costs. And we see that Le'Veon Bell's pretty happy that he's on his way out, too. And there, there's something with Pittsburgh. It's no coincidence that these star players all want to leave. You can want to leave Pittsburgh and not uh, declare on Instagram that you're now Mr. Big Chest. You can you can not do that's that. True. Well, <laughs> yeah. And still try to get out of Pittsburgh. That's a good point. I, it's I a true think fact. Yeah. I think that was overboard, but um, so I, I relate it back to the, the sit-ups in the driveway because this is all good. This is going to be something we all remember from 14 years from now. In, in a way, I think he succeeded here in the sense that I think I will forever call him just <laughs> Mr. Big Chess now, but it will be uh, it'll be chiding. <laughs> like it's not uh, it's not like I'm uh, calling him Mr. Big Chest out of some sort of respect. It's going to be a joke. 
Mr. Big right. Chest. Yeah. I mean, what's next? Are you going to call himself Mr. Huge Nipples? It's every bit as weird. <laughs> it's, it's weird. <laughs> I, I think it really, if you emphasize any point of your anatomy, I think it's it's just going to be weird. Call me Mr. Long Nose Hairs. I, don't, I just don't get it. You should go with that. Yeah. LNH. <laughs> yeah. I want a better life. All right, Brandon, my better at life this week than Skip Bayless is for the rover opportunity out there on Mars. Ah, uh, yes. And uh, to give you guys uh, a little bit of uh, insight here, if you're new to the show, uh, I'm a space nerd. I love it. And so oftentimes uh, my better at life than Skip Bayless nomination is for something space related. Well, the rover opportunity that's been roving around the planet Mars for the last 15 years has been officially declared dead. It got stuck in a, a windstorm, a sandstorm that basically covered the entire planet uh, for the better part of a year, covered up the solar panels, lost uh, all of its battery power, and now will no longer communicate with Earth after 15 years. And why is 15 years? Had a good run. Yeah. Why is 15 years remarkable? You know how long it was uh, engineered to last, Brandon? Uh, nine months? 90 days. 90 days. I, I, shot, I overshot it by three <laughs> yeah. times. And it went for 15 years. It drove for 45 kilometers across the, the Martian surface. Like, that's freaking amazing. It holds the record for the steepest hill climb by a rover on Mars. And as a Jeep enthusiast, that makes me happy. Basically, it was sent there to go and <laughs> investigate the geology and maybe former water characteristics that were there on Mars. Um, and it sent back reams of information about that, increasing our understanding about the red planet, whether it was wet before, which it was. Uh, maybe where did that water go? Still don't know. But uh, one of its more famous discoveries, it found uh, evidence of past hydrothermal vents, like at the bottom of an ocean floor. Um, that's mm -hmm. pretty remarkable. But, uh, you know, just hats off to NASA. Hats off to the little rover that could. I mean, so many times NASA outperforms their mission requirements by miles and they get no credit. What did NASA ever do for me? I don't know. Build everything that gives us an understanding of the universe that we lived in and does it 10 times better than they say they will. They, oh, they under, under promise and overperform by light years every single time. And Little Opportunity is a great example of that. It's been a great servant uh, to us, the, the human race, and increased our knowledge of uh, our sister planet and Mars. Opportunity Rover, better at life than Skip Bayless. No alien life, though. Do better, Opportunity. You can't rule that out completely yet, but most likely not. I'll, I'll retract it when it when it comes back and we, we find alien yeah, life. That's probably not where we're going to find it. It'll be more, be more like one of the one of the big moons around Saturn or, or Jupiter, like Europa or Titan, you know, something like that. Sure. Get my hopes up. Just saying there's water there or watery type things. You know, there's a place here on Earth that got a lot of water, a lot of frozen yeah. water this last month <laughs> in Seattle. And uh, my better at life this week goes to David Holston, an 18 year old from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. He was out in Seattle this uh, this past month, his mom was recovering from surgery out there and they got this huge amount of snow. You know, it, well, when, they when, got a foot and a half, which is a huge amount for that area. OK, for that area. <laughs> that's like Wednesday here in Montana. <laughs> right. Well, and that's the difference in Montana. 
because it is so common, we know how to deal with it. We have we have things to deal with it, like plows. Yeah. In Seattle, they don't have those things. Not a plethora of plows running around. (laughs) Not a whole lot of plows, which worked out to David Holston's advantage Mm, uh, because he brought back his plow from Coeur d'Alene, put up an ad on Craigslist. But how did he ever manage to make it out of Seattle (laughs) with all the snow and drive all the way back to Coeur d'Alene? Yeah, I I don't know. Maybe it's because he lives in an area where he knows how to drive in snow. That could be that could be part of it. You mean how you just drive a little slower around corners and stop a little sooner and then drive like normal everywhere else? Oh, it's crazy talk. Okay. <laughs> he advertised on Craigslist, Adam, and was making five hundred to seven hundred and fifty dollars an hour with plowing parking lots out in the Seattle area. Woo! In in just the amount of time that he was out there, he made thirty five thousand dollars. Thirty five thousand. That's a pretty good month's work. Damn. For an 18 year old. I'm impressed. I'm he very impressed. 20 percent of it to his church. And uh, I just I like the initiative from from the young man making the trip out there, making things easier on people. When I, I lived near Olympia the last time that that area got that much snow. It was a it was a disaster because there weren't enough plows to to keep the roads. I had to put chains on my car just because the the roads were so rutted that you could not stay on the road. That's not why you had to put chains on your car. Yeah, it is. No, the reason you had to put chains on your car is because you didn't have four wheel drive. Oh, yeah, that too. What happened to you? You're from Montana. You got soft. Do you live in Washington and expect to have to need four wheel drive? Maybe. Maybe that's where I screwed and up. If you're, and if you're worth your salt, you're driving up to places, you know, up on volcanoes and stuff where you do need four wheel drive. Why? I don't. I, why would you live in the American West anywhere and not have four wheel drive, whether it's mud, sand, whatever? I didn't drive up enough volcanoes. You're right. That's one thing that I missed out on living I'm out. Just near, saying, blaming the snow the on your, your chain usage is wrong. That's a you problem. Don't blame me. That it's I'm you. trying to honor a great young man, okay. David Holston, who is better at life than Skip Bayless. I agree. I like the young entrepreneur. Very smart by him. Wish I'd been paying closer attention. I should have done something similar. You could have it rather than, you know, when your trip to Portland got canceled, you should have said no, no. I'm I'm coming and I'm bringing a, a attaching a plow to my Jeep and I'm going to make some money. Well, the better part is I have access to a skid steer. Like I could have just towed that out there and mopped up. Apparently, apparently. <laughs> well, Man. remember that five years from now. Yep. Trust me. That is going to be in the back of my mind. No doubt about it. And with that, <laughs> there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.